My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're... Paramedics? Unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. I'm your co-host Jason. I'm here with my co-host Bobby. We're here for season two, episode 13, called The Baker's Dozen. Bobby, how you doing, brother? <laughs> you weren't ready for all What's that up, thunder bro? this early, were you? Well, <laughs> I'm just laughing at what we were talking about earlier. I'm just, I'm just feeling the beat, baby. Come on. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta share that, uh, that, that accent you were using earlier. Oh, yeah. the Pittsburgh accent. They get the fuck off. <laughs> Get the fuck out, Sasa. Get the fuck out. <laughs> shout, shout, shout out to our boy Jim. Shout out to our boy Jim because he's tri-state. I'm tri-state. Like I mean, I'm tri-state. Well, that's the thing, man. I've got plenty of friends from Pittsburgh, and like most of them don't have that. But then you, every so often you just see that accent and or hear it everywhere. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it's it's one of my favorite accents to hear, and and it's always also funny because. I have known a lot. I went to WVU, so a lot of people from Pittsburgh, of course, go to WVU because it's very close. Um, hence why they have the backyard brawl every year, or they used to have the backyard brawl every year, and they're having it again this year for football. But anyway, um, y- yeah. So there was a lot of that where you hear that accent. I'm like, that is like the coolest accent because <laughs> it's like it's just it makes me laugh, but then also it's like I don't give a fuck kind of accent. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just funny. And you're right. You do meet the ones, and you meet like the heavy Pittsburgh accent people, and you're just like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like if you were to take. It's like it's like Canadian. Canadian has that funny accent like, too. Yeah, like I was gonna say Canadian. you took a like a Canadian accent, threw a little Amish in there, and then maybe a little. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> like a little valley Are girl. You, yeah. you know that type of that, like you know that type of like valley girlish, if you will, type accent. Yeah. And you, just, and, you know, and they all had a threesome and. That's the offspring that would come. Yeah, because they don't like finish their words because it's all like fuck, get the fuck ah, get the fuck ah. They talk like that. It's like like that. Or I was telling this story before in pre-show. I was telling the story. We went to uh, from somewhere in Northern Virginia. I don't remember, but we went up to uh, UPMC University of Pittsburgh Medical Center for a transport, and we we're going up there and we're driving around this whole thing. Like we're up there with the patient in the back, driving around. We can't find the, we we found the hospital obviously, but we can't figure out how to get into the hospital because normally there's like an ER entrance. You go in, and as you go down that area somewhere, there'll be a sign for ambulance entrance only and whatever, and you park there. Pretty right. easy, Usually pretty easy to figure out a hospital. Well, this one, we couldn't figure it out. So we're driving around, and it's a city, so you know we're in a major city. So I'm like, oh, what's a city? You're going to go up, make a right, make a right, make a right, and we'll be back where we started. We can go around the building that way. Never been to Pittsburgh before at this point, in this area before. So we're doing it. We go around the entire building. We're kind of far away from the building where we were doing this loop part, but we could see the hospital and see all the signs and everything, and we didn't right. see an entrance. So I'm like, what the fuck? So we're coming down this made strip and next to us and you know, it's traffic, it's rush hour up there at this point in the afternoon. So there's a Pittsburgh paramedic unit in the traffic there. And so we have, we know, I was like, Oh God, I hope we pull up to this guy. Like hoping to get close enough. Cause I'm going to ask him where to fuck the hospital. And he's going to know obviously. So finally we get up next to him and I stop and I roll down my window cause I was driving our medic unit. And I was like, Hey man, uh, we're trying to find a UMPC. It's on the sale. He's like, why? I was like, we're trying to find U- UP, USP, some, it's, a, it's the 
Pittsburgh Center Medical or something. And because I, you know, and he's like, and so he's like, what? Where? Where is it? And I was like, it's, it's on LaSalle. LaSalle. He's like, oh, I don't. Oh, you mean LaSalle? Oh, it's on LaSalle? And I was like, <laughs> sure. And he goes, oh, you want to go up the parking garage right there? It's, just turn, it's on LaSalle. You just go up there, parking garage, make a ride. And I'm like, thank you. And then drove up the window. I was like, I don't know what the fuck that guy just said, but we're going to go up here and make a ride. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. And, it was, and we were right there. And it ended up being like, it was a weird, their way it was set up there. You actually went into like a, you know, like you drive under a parking garage at like a mall or something. It was set up like that. And that's why you couldn't see the entrance because it was all hidden under there. Once you got under there, there were signs. You could see everything, but you had to get under that part first. So it was pretty funny. But that was my like Pittsburgh story. And we had a partner that you, you, I know, and then you know too from that, that he was from Pittsburgh and he just cracked me up every day <laughs> listen, listening to him talk and stuff. But anyway, we're getting off topic here. Um, but shout out to Jim for that. So uh, yeah, what do you want to talk about this week? Jim don't care. Jim don't, Jim don't care. I'm tri-style. It's not a big well. well. Speaking of Pennsylvania, does, uh, aside from the, uh, you know, being nationally registered, it, does that this, does, does oh, I guess, Pennsylvania is a commonwealth, correct? Mm, I think so. I don't know. I think so. I can't even remember. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. It is. Do they have a license or is it a state certification? That I don't know. That I don't know. I would right. say probably a cert. That would be my guess. Just because like, Virginia is a commonwealth and they, they use certs in Virginia. If anybody listening out there knows, let us know. Yeah, send us a message so, on Facebook or yeah. something. And if, we're, and if we're doing any injustice there, I think, uh, it's, I think it's a cert. I think so too. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think so too. Because I, I know I've, the, I've looked the up closest there. state that has a license is Maryland. Yeah, because that's the first. Uh, we looked this up, and I, I remember where I worked before. The first fire department union, like like Union right. One or whatever, maybe zero zero. I don't know what they call it, what the number is, but it's like number the first one ever. That's in Pittsburgh, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, because I remember looking it up and then like looking at their different firehouses and where they were and all their stuff. I remember looking at all this stuff. Now, what's your what's your opinion on? Uh, a cert versus a license. I think the cert is horrible. I, I, I've said that, like, that's been my opinion from day one. I think that actually, we talked about this, like, way early in Paramedics Unscripted, um, the animosity between nurses and, and paramedics, which isn't completely true. Some of it's obviously Are you kidding horrible. me, man? That doesn't really exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're making some of it up for sure because, like, no, try to be funny. it does exist. Yeah, it does. That there doesn't is, mean there aren't great nurses out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, not but of, there, not there, of, is a, there is kind of a rivalry. Yeah, I don't like Depending the, on where you're at. Yeah, because out of the 100 nurses I would work with in like a, I don't know, a given month or something like that, you know, you'd only find one of them that would be like a, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Where they just right. get on their high horse. But I, yeah, that always bothered me. It's like, it's like, nurse, we have a license. And they're like, I have a cert. I'm a paramedic. You know what I mean? And, and like, I printed it on my printer. You know what I mean? And that, like, that always made me laugh. Because it, it also just seems silly to me that someone who is, has a cert, to me, cert sounds kind of like, cheesy a little bit to me license sounds real like i have a real estate license right okay it's not hard to get your real estate license per se hard test is actually kind of hard but but you know it's low barrier entry there you don't have to have college or anything like that but i have a license in real estate because i am doing transactions that are half million million dollar two million right i'm doing these transactions that i'm just just buku amounts of bucks right we're getting paid a ton of money for what we do and then then paramedics Reciprocally, you're not dealing with money, obviously, in, in that, and you maybe are in an insurance world a little bit. But, but as far as what we do in the field, it's not that. But we're dealing with patients' lives. We can push drugs. Right. We can push drugs that could kill people if we don't do it right. There are certain drugs we have. Most of the stuff we have antidotes for, but I'm just saying, like, technically, we could legally kill. Not, it wouldn't be legally, I guess, at that point, but we could kill somebody. And then we have a cert only, not a license. And I think that kind of, in my opinion, 
you know, creates that animosity a little bit, you know, because the nurses feel like they did more to get their license, whereas we just, even though we do a lot, like I said, it's like a two-year course or whatever, depending where you go to get your paramedic. Well, yeah, and that's uh, one of the, uh, out of all the certs and licenses I have, like one of the, well, it's actually the only state that I, that I am associated with that has a license, and that's the state of Maryland. And I will, will say, and then, Every other every other state that I'm affiliated with, it's it's a certification. You know, just like the the national registry is just a certification; it's not a license. But that doesn't mean it's not good. But um, I have to say, when I first got to Maryland, I didn't know what to think because uh, their 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 protocols and they were they run on a statewide protocol system, which is actually very good in my opinion because everybody's on the same sheet of music. You know, especially coming from other places where I'd worked at where, you know, like I've said before, you know, every 10 steps you're in a different jurisdiction, different jurisdiction and uh, you have a different set of protocols to work with. And I don't know how some of those medical directors in certain states deal with that. Well, really and, and for our common, like our people that aren't in EMS that are listening, like you have to have, at least where I worked and probably where you work too, I'm assuming, um, you have protocols and then you eventually you ride with per- a person and you, you know, that you show your proficiency in whatever you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then eventually you get released as a medic. Um, that's how it's worked in everywhere I've ever worked at, or, you know, and if you're right. in different jurors, if like, if you said, and you're one of those places that like this mile is this one, this mile is this one, this mile is this one. And they're all actually different and not under an umbrella, so to speak, right. you have to get released in all those jurisdictions in order to be able to practice. So just because you have your paramedic, you know, you get your paramedic cert or license in your case, um, doesn't mean you can do anything with it. You're not legally allowed to do anything with it. You have to be under a medical director, which would come from wherever you work. You know, that place would have a, somewhere at the top, there's a TP, uh, the top of the TP is a medical director. And right. he, he or she writes your protocols, which for people who don't know, are what, like, it's basically a cookbook. And it's what you're allowed to do on a scene, you know, and here, here's, it's written, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. And you, you memorize that stuff. Right, because like in a lot of states, um, they'll every county will have, or every county or city will have their own set of protocols that they work off of. So when you have a particular, especially with a lot of the trauma centers that you know multiple counties are, you know, going to be using that as their level one trauma center. I mean, you've got these medical directors at these trauma centers that have to deal with sometimes six sets of protocols and and know them, you know, somewhat. And I just can't even imagine. So that was actually one of the pluses when I uh, started practicing in Maryland, you know, a long time ago that uh, was actually a bonus because uh, I didn't know what I was going to think of it at first, but this, the whole state on the same sheet of music was actually, it made things a lot easier because, and I can't even, like I said before, I can't even imagine how the, the medical directors, especially in the trauma centers, you know, it's just one set for the whole state and it actually works. And I, like I said, I didn't know how I was going to, well, what I was going to actually think of it when I first started practicing in Maryland and that it's actually been a, a blessing. So, I mean, I know some people would disagree with me, but I mean, that's just my opinion, but it, it actually helped out a lot. Yeah. Cause like where you know, I, where I worked, we had multiple counties, um, but it was all under a certain council. So, and then you were released with that council. So where I was right. at in our, in the hospitals, mainly we went to, there was one we go to out of our area a little bit, but for the most part, all the ones that were in that area, um, like there was like, I was a released paramedic. So technically I'm a release, even though I worked for a County, I worked for County a, I was released as a, a practicing paramedic that I could technically 
if needed, do stuff in like, let's say six different counties, right? Now, the difference would be if I'm on like a day off and I'm driving around and I'm in, I'm, I, I work for County A and on my day off, I come to a, whatever, somehow I get, I come across a scene and they need a medic and I'm there and I have my keys because we had medic keys where you get in the drug boxes on all these units and all these counties and stuff like that. Then I would just have to call, you know, if they want it, first of all, they'd have to want me to do something. And then, then I have to call the medical director at the hospital, like whoever that is, you know, that day, um, and ask him or her, Hey, I'm a release paramedic for County a I'm in County C. Do you give me permission to do this CPR as a paramedic? And they say, yes, I'm doctor number four. You have my permission. You're released medic in another County but it's all under the same council, and then you would be allowed to do it. Now, I never had actually came across that. I had that many times where we'd go to other counties and we'd do stuff, but we were dispatched, so that's different. I'm talking about just in street clothes. You're just walking by, and you, I don't know, you're at a mall a county over, and someone drops dead, you know, and you decide to, you know, you want to help out because they don't have a medic unit coming or something like that, and you can do it. That's the way you'd have to get around that. But, but it's like, it's for, at least for the doctors, for the most part, in those hospitals, the people that are coming to them all were under the same protocols for the most part. There are a couple few exceptions here and there. So it's a little bit like kind of like what you said, but a little different too. Right. Now, speaking of uh, licenses, and we were touching on real estate earlier, how, how's, the, uh, how's the market where you are, man? Uh, how's it's, uh, it's, how's the, uh, the new line of work going down south? Well, it's not, it's not really not that new anymore, but... Uh. I know. <laughs> it's new. It's still new to me. Even though you've been doing it now for a long time, it's still new to me because I'm used to you, you know... Yeah, I'm almost in uh, finishing up my seventh year doing this now, but it's uh, I know. it's like um, I mean, definitely slowing down now. I mean, we're, we're in Alabama. We're definitely slower than as far as trends go than you are. Um, you're in like you know, like in you're in the metro, when you're near a major city. Obviously, you're going to be affected faster by like the slowdowns and everything like that. We usually get a little bit later than everybody else, um, which is good. Yeah, but you still live in a government town where you've got. A oh lot yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we live in the, yeah where we all live um, in Huntsville, Alabama here. Um, we're the number one uh, government contractors in the nation is in Huntsville. It's not in DC. You also have NASA there too, right? Yeah, we have NASA. We have all the government agencies, all the Boeing, all the SAIC and all the whatever, all the ones you can think all of. All the contractors. Yeah, all those com- contractors. They're all yeah. here. They're all here. Facebook's here. Um, you know, everything's here. Wait, um, Facebook's there too? Yeah, they have a. They have I didn't realize. An- they have their annex here. They have Amazon has a thing here. Like everybody's, there's a lot of, I mean, it's a, it's, it was rated recently in whatever USA Today's poll. They do those polls once a year. It was the number one city to live in, in the United States. Um, and they vary. And I never, you, 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 can, re, you can read the report cause they have different factors they use for that, but it's a growing city. It's, it's busy here. It's not, this is not this area where I live in Northern Alabama is totally different than the Alabama you see in movies and stuff like that. This is mountain. Oh, I, know. I, 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 call, I tell everybody it's North, it's Northern Virginia, but with mountains and there are little mountains, but they're little mountains, you know, they're foothills. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. <laughs> but it's cool. Cause I, like I went to school at WVU, which was in the mountains. So to me, it's like, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is like Northern Virginia. So you have all the amenities of, you know, all the big chains, anything you can imagine we have here for the most 90% of anyway. Um, except you have beautiful views everywhere you turn. You, there's like, oh, it looks awesome, you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful state. Plus, I mean, people don't realize um, that the Gulf Coast of, of Alabama is absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous, itself, you know, as well. Because um, people, when they think of... Uh, you know, a lot of the Gulf Coast, they think of the panhandle of Florida, but what they don't realize is what stretches past the panhandle is Alabama, Mississippi, you know. I mean, it's it's that whole stretch of, of the Gulf Coast is is beautiful. Yeah. You know, I was born in Alabama, 
um, until I lived there till I was five. I think I've said that before, but I was born in Montgomery, but, um, Montgomery. but, and, and I didn't know until you told me when we were talking one day, I didn't know that, uh, Huntsville was, you said that one of the top rated, uh, uh, or one of the most top 10 places to no, it's number, it's number one this year. It's number one. Yeah, it's been it's always been in like the top, I don't know, 25 or whatever. You know, it varies every year. They, well, no, we were talking before, like, you know, several months ago, you were saying it was like in the, always in the top 10. Yeah, it's. I mean, recently, because it's been booming. I mean, we've lived here for seven years, and it's, I mean, we've seen it grow. You know, everybody always says that, like, oh, I've seen it grow. But I think we've seen it because there's all these different uh, government things are coming in, which, of course, is bringing more people in. All the Then when you have the government, people right. come in. You have all those contracting companies come in, you know. And, and then when they come in, of course, they have to bring all their people with them, you know? So um, there's a lot of people coming in, transfers all the time. In fact, the last transaction I just did um, in real estate, I was representing the sellers who they had moved out of the state, but the people that were buying the house were a contractor people. He, the, that gentleman worked for Honda. So he was coming in here to work on the whole area of the, all the Honda dealerships and stuff like that. He was like a big guy or whatever. He was cool. But um, so people are coming here all the time. And that's what I was saying. Like we're recently, they do it once a year, but this last study they did on USA Today, we were the number one city. Um, and then uh, we're the highest PhD per capita in the, in the world in Huntsville. Like most of those right. PhDs per area, which is pretty impressive because we have a lot of, you know, what I, I call them nerd dorks. You know what I mean? But they all get high paying jobs and they're all very, very smart here. You know, so it's really, it's, it's, inter it's interesting for sure. You know, but it's a, it's really fun here. It's like they have a lot of good stuff here, and it's a great place to live, great place to grow a family and have a family, and you know, have raise your kids and all that. And I know everybody says that wherever they live, but I mean, it's really nice here. And there's anything you can do. There's outdoor stuff you can do. That you can do all the normal stuff. They have, we have all the you know all the malls, all the big chains are here. You know, so not you know most of them anyway. There's a few. I wish we had Wegmans. We don't have Wegmans yet. But. Oh man, I love some Wegmans, <laughs> man. And for people that don't don't know what Wegmans is, if uh... Wegmans. I think we talked is, about that on another show. Yeah, we? we did. Yeah, yeah. We'll just talk. Wegmans is probably one of the best uh, um, grocery chains I've ever seen. I mean, and it came down from uh, <clears throat> I think upstate New York. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, we've we've touched on that before. But uh, yeah, it's just it's more than a grocery store. That's all I'll say. Yeah, well, it's we're. Ex <laughs> I was excited. I was talking to my wife the other day because uh, I, I think I mentioned this maybe on another podcast, but. Uh, Wawa, which is a gas station, kind of like a Sheets, if you people might know Sheets better. Um, but Wawa is my favorite for sure because they just the food in there is amazing. And then the you know gas station. Oh yeah, I mean there's there's sandwiches. Yeah, I mean everything in Wawa is good. Their coffee is great. Everything it, well, it's like Sheets, but I, like you said, it's a little better in well, my opinion. Well, that's a Pennsylvania chain, and we just got one, or it's coming this year. I don't remember. I don't. I have to look back at the article, but they're getting one in Gulf Shores, Alabama. They're putting in their first Wawa in the state down there. And, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, and I was, which is not, I mean, that's like, you know, the bottom of the state to where I live. I live up near the Tennessee border pretty much, but, um, we're like two hours South of Nashville, something like that. But, but it's like, I was like, Oh, cool. I was like, all right. Cause if it does well down there, you know, cause obviously the Gulf Shores area is pretty ritzy. I mean, it's, it's not a ritzy beach. Like you'd think of like a commercialized beach area. It's not like that, but I mean, there, there are million dollar condos down there and everything. Cause it's you know beautiful area. Um, but if it can do well down there, you know, it, they could bring it up North where all the money is too, and, and put them in and start making a killing up here too. So that'd be really now, is, cool. Is Gulf Shores right where they, what they, you know, it's right close to where they what they refer as the Florabama line. Yeah. Yeah. It's or, down there. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause, Cause a lot of people here go down there to Gulf Shores or ocean beach or Destin, Florida. They go down. Destin is that's, that's when I, whenever I talk about the Gulf coast, one of my favorite spots is uh, Destin is, 
is absolutely gorgeous. Like Destin, Panama City, Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach, you know, the coast of Alabama. You know, it's it's just it's amazing. People don't realize how beautiful it the Gulf Coast is, is well, really and people don't think too. Like when terror. you think of Alabama, most me myself included, when when I moved here, I I was like, you know, because I live in Virginia, so of course we had Virginia Beach, and you know, we're on the Atlantic coast, we can go up and down the coast and go to beaches, and yeah. uh, and and then you move here, you're more inland, obviously. So I was like, oh well, downside is we're not gonna have beaches, but you know, it is what it is, you know, kind of thing. And then you find out, you're like, wait, Alabama borders a beach. Where and then you like look on a map and you see there's like a little sliver thing that comes down out the state down there and you see it and you're like oh okay and you go down there and it's like beautiful like it's white sand beaches and it's it's beautiful down there. So. Well, as far as uh, since it is a a I'll, I'll call it a a government commuter town and it's a big government town, big education town, um, and you've got people moving in and out of there all the time. You know, in the current in the current market, which is you know we've talked about this before. You know, it's completely overinflated due to a number of reasons but uh what is the price range right now down there say for a uh, say three to four bedroom single family home you're probably looking around 400 somewhere in there it's cheaper I mean, yeah it's cheaper than like obviously like um like the house we bought here when we bought a new construction house when we moved here and it was you know it was dirt right. and it got built up whatever the house we have here um we paid less than that when we bought the house, but I mean, it, it, the equiv- it's equivocally, if you compare it to like a Virginia market, Northern Virginia market, it's a $700,000 house. Right. I, mean, I mean, it's ginormous. And, but that's, that's the benefit of like a lot of people, you know, obviously work in cities and, and, and because that's where the jobs are, you know, no one works in DC because of D- well, I don't want to say no one. A lot of people don't work in DC because DC is necessarily right. awesome. They work there and work and live in the suburbs because they, they have to go out certain distances to be able to afford things. You know what I mean? Um, whereas that's one of the beautiful, beautiful parts of Huntsville is, you know, before the booming went on and then booming, you still get stuff, but you can get so much more for your money here. And, right. and then like for my wife, she had, uh, to go to the base where she worked, uh, our, you know, it was really a 20 minute commute, but it would take her about an hour, hour and a half every morning. And that's each way. So three hour, we'll just say worst case scenario, three hour drive each day to go 20 miles, to go 40 miles at that point. If you talk about round trip and now she, her drive here is 30 minutes. And there's no traffic, you know what I mean? Because we have a base here, and there's—I mean, traffic here's a joke. Like people here will whine about traffic. They're like, "Oh, it's traffic." I'm like, "You don't fucking know what you're talking about," you know? Right. And they're like, "You don't get mad at traffic at all." I'm like, "No, I, I've been on 95 where it's six lanes each way, just sitting there doing nothing but breathing exhaust of everybody." You know, <laughs> I, I've been—I've been on the—I've been on a motorcycle that had an air-cooled engine, and it would start stalling because you're just standing there, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it can't breathe. You know what I mean? And you have to like shut off your bike and restart every time you move 10 feet. Like, yeah. So this is like, there's no traffic here. I mean, in, in comparison, there's a little bit, but there's really no traffic here. And it's nice. Cause you can get anywhere you need to get to. You're just like, Hey, how long does it take to drive there? The 25 minutes. Okay. Then it takes 25 minutes. No matter what type of day, it's roughly 25 minutes. You know, it's never, it's right, never but- like, Oh, but if you go at five, it's an hour and a half. You know, it's not like that when you're in LA or something like that, you know, it's like 15 oh, minutes yeah. to get somewhere, but it could be up to three hours depending on, which is ridiculous that people live like that. I mean, like, like you and I were talking about before, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a deal in every market. Um, I mean, me personally, as a, as we've talked about before, you know, for the past almost 15 years now, I've been a real estate investor. I'm not buying anything in this market right now, but just because I'm not buying anything doesn't mean there's, I mean, right now it'd have to be a specific deal for me to, in this particular market to, uh, to, uh, 
to to make another investment. But uh, right now, I'm just kind of waiting it out at this period. Well, that's the thing. The people that are moving right now, first of all, the, the first-time home buyers, uh, at least in our market, because I can't speak for any other market, but I would right. imagine it's worse in other places, obviously. But in our market, um, first of all, there, is, there are really no first-time home buyers anymore. Like, you know, the, uh, the National um, Association of Realtors, I uh, believe it was them, put out a stat recently that was like, you know, the average, I don't remember what it was before, but let's say the average first-time home buyer age was, we'll say, low to mid-20s, right? You know, 23, right. 24, that's when people got their first house. Now it's almost like 38 or 39. Um, and that, and that's, that's a, obviously a ginormous change, obviously. Um, but that the reason is like, like even with selling a house now, cause I do a lot of listings and stuff like that. And we don't right. see a lot of, you know, those first time home buyers that are just trying to do like certain kind of, you know, FHA loans or VA loans. They're not really quite as prevalent right now. Um, because they can't afford, they're just, they're out of the market. They can't afford a lot of this stuff. If you're, you know, if you have something prior you can sell it, make up, you know, that equity can be rolled into the next one and you can, you can afford stuff, but that's also how you can, you know, potentially depending on your situation, lose your ass. Um, so right now in our market here, the only people really selling their houses are people that have multiple homes, because if you have a second home and you're tired of renting it out or, or maybe it's just sitting there or whatever you're doing with it, this is a great time to offload that second house because you're going to get top dollar or close to top dollar. We're going down a little bit now. So you're not quite at top dollar anymore, but you, you, know, you might've lost a little bit of money by waiting, but it's still going to be way over what you paid for it. Um, but the problem is, it, it, and then people who obviously get relocated, like I just said, my latest client that I worked with, the people that bought their house were relocating. So if you're relocating, you have to relocate. Just well, that's why, that's why I've always said that, uh, you know, especially in what I do, I've always, I've always purchased in, in areas like you live in, you know, that are, that are high, you know, high traffic, you know, in and out, you know, people just constantly commuting in and out, you know, because of, because of the, uh, the job marketplace, you know, like I've always seemed to buy always in between two military bases or a city and a military base, because, you know, there's always going to be people moving in and out and there's always going to be people looking to rent property you know, because they know they're not going to be there that long and they may own a home where they just moved from and they don't want to buy something else. So they're just willing to rent. And, you know, you're always going to have that for the most part. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean the market can't slow down because it, it's, there's, there's always setbacks, but in today, like, especially where I live right, right now, I mean, the craziness of how overinflated it is. I mean, it's, it's absolutely asinine. And like you were saying before, the only thing that makes sense if you're going to sell something, because a lot of people are so, they're, they're so euphoric from how much money they think they can make from their house that they don't think, well, wait a minute, I still have to, where am I going to go? Because I still have to buy something else. And it's like, am I really going to make that much money? Because, you know, I'm just going to turn the profit I'm making and just into another house. So I might as well just stay here with a lower, lower house payment. Right. And that's what a lot and, of people um, are going through right now because they can't, they, they don't, think about that part. Cause it's like, yeah, I, you know, I can, well, yeah, I, you call so me over, I'll sell your house it. for you. I can sell your house and you'll make like our house. My house that I live in now is we're probably up like 200, 250 on our right. house. Um, but now we, uh, but I also am re realistic to know that that's kind of fake. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> because unless we have to, first of all, your house doesn't work jack shit unless you're actually selling it. Let, let's just put that in perspective. And I tell that to people too. Your house isn't worth anything unless you sell it and you find a buyer. Not, uh, although otherwise it's just all talk like, like Zestimates, all that's, that's garbage. Um, but like, that's the thing you have to teach people is like, okay, 
yeah, you can sell your house. You know, like I have a client that I have right now that I'm working with and they have another house and um, they want to potentially sell that down the road and, and then sell maybe another house and then move into a smaller house and do all, right? Right, because they have multiple real estate stuff. Well, I'm like, that's great, but you understand, and that's fine. We can, I can definitely take care of that for you, but you understand that the house you eventually buy, let's say you downsize from two to one or three to one or whatever, right? And now you're going down to a one single house. You're going to pay a lot more for that house than you would have before. A lot more, like not like $50,000 more, a lot more. You might pay, you might be paying double. You might paying a hundred over, 200 over. And you have to understand that because when the market, it's already shifting the other way now, a little bit here, at least here, I'm talking about in this area. Um, it's already shifting down a little bit. So if it goes down a lot more, you know, all that extra muff money you made is going to, again, depending on your situation, how much you put down and all this other stuff, you know, could, could hurt you. So you got to be careful with that. Well, what, what amazes me is, um, you know, how quickly people forget what happened 13 years ago and how desensitized they get to what happened then. And they, they end up listening to the same idiots that gave them bad advice the first time, you know, yeah. even though, even though it's going to be different. Okay. Cause 2000, 2007 crash was was different than what's going to happen next you well know, there are and the good news now is I have, I have, go, go ahead, I have arguments with no 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 i have arguments with a lot of uh a lot of friends of mine that are real not you because you and i seem to see eye stop and I, fighting I, 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 yeah well, a lot of other friends of mine like where i live currently that are excuse me realtors not real realtors but realtors i am a respected realtor <laughs> at the pc way no but uh we tend to have disagreements on, 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 it's like, I'm always like, I am not going to buy in this market right now because it's so overinflated and it doesn't make any sense unless I have a fantastic deal. That's ridiculous. Which means that if, if, when, if I'm not going to say if it's when, cause it's, it's inevitable and it's a mathematical fact, but you just can't put your finger on it exactly when, but there's going to be a crash and it's not just going to be a housing crash. It's going to be an everything crash because and I know we've touched on this before, what happened 13 years ago, what people quickly forget, like I was saying before, is that the, the problem wasn't fixed. All they did was they just threw money at the problem and put it on life support. They never corrected it. And when you stack COVID and you stack, you know, other elements on top, it just, you know, which has created so much more debt, which, which we've talked about before, on top of what we already had, it just creates an everything bubble, you know, and this, this has been going on and I've been saying the same thing for the past 13 years. It's sick. Like we didn't correct the problem. We just made it worse and put it on life support, life support. And they kicked the can farther down the road. Well, yeah, they bailed out and, everybody that was in, you know, all the banks and stuff that went into default with certain things. They just gave them all free money to get them back. Right. But that's, that's free money that, that was, you know, all they did was they just like, when you heard all the, you know, when you heard about like a lot of people, well, what's QE quantitative easing, which is basically just a technical way of saying money printing or in today's times, you know, just digitally printing money by just flipping keys on a screen and, you know, and, um, and just, you know, basically the printing, the printing press is running that way, but you can't print your way out of, you can't print your, 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 your way to prosperity. You know, I mean that, that's what we've talked about before where it comes to, you know, you know, diluting the currency or just basically 
reducing your pur- purchasing power. I mean, because especially in today's times right now where inflation is, is, is getting kind of out of control. I mean, inflation is money printing. Is it, When you put so much money, funny money into the system that's not backed by anything, it's complete fiat currency. All you're doing is reducing purchasing power. You've got so many dollars that have been pushed out in the system that are fighting or that are basically, you know, going after the same goods and services that the prices are going to rise and, you know, your purchasing power is going to reduce, you know, because the money printing and the, the inflation hasn't kept up with wages. You know, our wages haven't kept up with the inflation, you know, so you run into a lot of problems. But this whole system's created in everything but where it's not just the housing market, it's the bond market, it's the credit market, it's 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 the stock market, it's everything has been, you know, just produced, just bubbles everywhere to where that's where it's going to be different. Because when it goes down, it's going to go down hard. And despite popular belief, that is the truth. And you can't put a, a stamp on exactly when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen, you know, because... What we've talked about before, because a lot, what a lot of people want to say is, well, you know, we can slow the economy by, by like what they're doing right now, by upping the interest rates. If we didn't have so much debt now, and we, if we weren't in financial territory, which in history we've never been in like this, mm-hmm. if the U.S. especially wasn't in so much debt, like we talked about in a previous show, you know, we're the biggest debtor nation in the world. It's different now because if they raise it, they can't raise interest rates that much to try to slow the economy down and to, to try to, you know, reduce inflation because with the amount of debt that we have, if they raise the rates too high, they'll dump the economy. Right. And that's the difference. You know, because people talk about, you know, when, when back in the day, like right around the beginning of the 80s when Paul Volcker, you know, upped the interest rates to like, you know, between 12 and 20% that, you know, he slowed the economy down and the problem was eventually corrected. It's like, yeah, but the difference is we had, didn't have nearly as much debt back then until we had a little more leeway to do that. Now we can't, you know, and um, that's one thing that's not talked about, which people need to be aware of because a lot of what you're seeing on the mainstream media, it's, it's all peddled bullshit. You know, there's, they're, they're, they're feeding you a bunch of crap because they don't want to scare you. And most of all, they don't want you to pull your money out of the market. Well, yeah. And, but, and, uh, and if you don't believe any of this stuff, just look at like, because I like to look at stuff on simple terms, like everyday terms for everybody. You know what I mean? Like look at like the car market right now. You know, you there's can't, zero like, inventory. Yeah. Because you, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but I know you just recently went sure. through that. Because um, there's like, you know. I like to get a new car every once in a while. Like I'm that type of person, whatever my wife's getting close to needing a new car. Cause just cause it's getting older and older and older. And it, you just look at these prices out there, even for in used doesn't matter anymore. Like you used to be able to like, Oh, I'll just get a used one. It's a couple years old, save a lot of money. That's not the case anymore. And then the new ones, not only are they pretty much sometimes are even cheaper than the used ones um, because you don't have to wait for them. They're just, you know, you, you don't have to like order them in or anything like that. But these new ones are just through the, they're, they're so expensive. It's ridiculous. You know, you look at like a, like an F one fifty now with like, normal stuff that everybody wants on an F-150, you're looking like 70 grand. I'm like, 70 grand? 
for us, you know, for an F-150 or something, or, you know, your Tundra is like 65. I mean, it's like, it's, or Ram is probably around 65, 70, somewhere in there. It's the same right. thing. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like, wh- why did trucks double in price? Like, when, when, I mean, I understand they have more technology now than they did some years ago, but not that much more technology. You know what I mean? Plus, they're a lot more, the inventory is scarce right now. Well, that's why, a big, yeah. A big part of it, too, is is in manufacturing because, I mean, I mean, like we were talking about before is in a, in a prior show that, I mean, this country doesn't produce anything anymore, you know, when it comes to a lot of, you know, inventory of anything except debt and weapons, Yeah, <laughs> you know, for the most part. Um, and especially when it comes to the, uh, the microchip market, I mean, that's all farmed out to Taiwan for the, for the most part. So, I mean, what do you think is going to happen if China decides to invade Taiwan? I mean, and, and look at it right now. I mean, right now you go to, you can go to a, a majority of car dealerships, you know, in different parts of the country and the inventory is so low. And when it comes to test driving, they don't really have that much for you to test drive or, you know, like they used to before, as far as, you know, different models, different, you know, just different models of the same, like, like say an F-150, like you were talking about, like a lot of places don't have like the, the standard F-150 or the, the more heavy duty or then the Raptor edition, they, you know, they, they just don't have that much. And you have to like, for instance, my wife was just uh, shopping for, a, she wanted a new Jeep Cherokee. So she, we were, we were just going around the dealerships and nobody had shit. So basically she had to test drive the closest version of what she wanted. And then she had to pay, you know, like a deposit on the one she wanted and then when they got it in, then she could go test drive it. If she didn't like it, she'd get the deposit back. Now, but, did, she, did she have to then order what she wanted? Like actually go on the, you know, on the websites with the dealer there and order everything? Or did she, or did they have them coming kind of thing? Like, oh, we'll just ask for that next time kind of thing. Well, yeah. Yeah, what happened was is she... Um, and was she on a waiting list too? Because I know that's well, a big thing now going on. Well, yeah, that, that, that's a big part of certain, depending on what type of vehicle you're looking for. But uh, she was, uh, what we learned in this market right now is that, you know, when it comes to the dealerships, I mean, there's no haggling anymore when it comes to most of these vehicles, depending where, where you're at. Because like, for instance, it's kind of like, I mean, most people are familiar with CarMax as far as used cars go that, you know, there's no haggling there. You're going to pay what they think is fair. And if you don't want it, then tough luck. You know, but at the new dealerships, you know, you used to going in there and, you know, haggling or, you know, just kind of going back and forth and then, you know, negotiating and coming up with a fair price. No, not anymore. It's like uh, for most places, it was like, this is what we want for it. And if you don't want to pay it, you know, since the supply is scarce, someone's going to come in there and buy it and give them what they want. So they're not even trying to haggle with you anymore. Well, it's, it's like when I, when I used to work back in the day, I worked at a Coleman Power Sports, which was a motorcycle dealership, ATV, right. you know, jet skis, all stuff. And we were one of the big uh, sellers of like crotch rockets because that was very popular back then. Still is popular, but I mean, it was a big thing back then. And of course, everybody would come in. This is, you know, back in the 90s, whatever, but or uh, 2000s and 90s, somewhere in that range. But people would people would come in all the time. And of course, they, you know, the bike's 10 grand or whatever, and they want to pay, Hey, I'll do you, How about I give you 95 for it? That kind of thing. You know, like they're trying to right. get a little, you know, a little something, something. And our, our GM would always be like, yeah, tell them no. And he's like, I mean, if they want, I'll throw in a free helmet or something for them, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a helmet. Um, he, you know, but he's like, I'm, I'm not discounting much more than any of that because he said, he's like, and they'd come up and sometimes they'd come up to the, the, the stand with me and they'd, 
talk to the GM directly and be like, hey, man, you can't give me like, you know, but and then he's like, no, man. He's like, look, he's like, we sell out of all our motorcycles, cross rocket motorcycles every year. And he's like, then I have to go to Canada. Oh, well, he doesn't go to Canada, but then he's like, and then I get some from other dealerships and I get them brought down from Canada. And then I sell out of those two every year. He's like, so, so I don't need to, to he's get like, what he's they like, want. Yeah, so he's like, he's like, I don't need to discount these bikes. Right. Uh, cruisers and stuff, those sit a little more just because it's different, you know, different clientele and stuff. Nothing wrong with cruisers or anything, but they weren't the hot commodity, you know, but all the Jixers and the R1s and the R6s and all that stuff and the Hayabusa's, everybody wants those things. So they would just sell out all the time. So he's like, yeah, no, this is the price. And, it, and now, and that was back in the day when you definitely could, you know, negotiate, like you said, with cars and stuff like that. But now, like you said, it's not. And the problem you're having now, from what I've heard, and you just went through this, um, is some dealerships are even making the huge markups because they're just charging extra because they know the supply demand thing is, is in effect right now. So they're taking a little more money off the top, which I think is complete bullshit. I understand. And they know people are going to, they know people are going to, they're going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, you don't have a choice if you need a car, if you you total your car, like, you know, I want a car, a new car, but I I don't need it. My wife wants a car, but she doesn't need it. But if she, but if she gets, you know, to the point where she does need it, you know, because she got a lot of miles on her car because her car is pretty old. But if she wants a new car, well, you're, you're going to have to, you know, suck it up, Buttercup, and you're going to be paying whatever that price is now for it, which is, you know, fifteen, ten over, depending on what you're looking for. You know, obviously, it depends on what kind of vehicle you're looking for, but it could be fifteen, ten. Some some places are even hundred thousand dollars over the price if you're getting those exotic cars. But um, yeah, it's ridiculous. But the one thing I, I think I mentioned this on a podcast. Uh, couple of them ago or something like that is the one thing that i i read that uh the ford ceo is doing which i thought was kind of cool we'll see how it pans out obviously is they are toying with the idea of switching to or you order your car so you don't so you wouldn't go to the dealer anymore you would just go online maybe go to the dealer to help you with the online part i don't know but or you just go online i mean their website's pretty easy to navigate and you just order your car you just say, I want Bobby's car and I want it to look like this. And I w- these are all the things I want. And then you hit a button and then you put a down payment on. And then they are prioritizing the customer picked vehicles over the ones that go out to the dealerships. And then, it's funny that you said that because that's exactly well, what my wife ended up doing. Right. And then what they're doing, though, too, is they said one of the things they're going to start doing, obviously, to streamline things is let's say, which good or bad, depending how you look at it. So let's say you really want to. I don't know, maybe a red pickup truck, right? Let's just, just pretend. Or is SUV. It doesn't matter what the car is. It doesn't matter what type. But let's say you want like a red SUV because you just think red's the shit. Well, a red one, you'll only be able to order online. But if you want a blue one, you have to get that only at a dealership. Like they're going to make certain cars, certain cars, certain trim levels, all that stuff will go to the brokers or the dealers. And then other ones you'll have to go online for. But you can't, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, they're trying this thing out, which is kind of interesting. And the cool thing, if you buy online, at least from what I've heard from a couple of different people at different, you know, brands and stuff like that is that when you buy it online, you are locked into the price, the MSRP, not the right. MSRP plus the dumb dealer fees they want to charge. Cause they're, yeah, everybody charges like destination tax, title tags, all that. So that's normal. But, right. but the other stuff there's like, you'll find in there like, Oh, it's the, the Honda fee or whatever, you know, those make up names of shit and it's on your paperwork and you're like, what is this $500 bullshit? And it's nothing. It's just, they want to make an extra $500 off you. You know? Well, and that's the thing that I noticed the most, especially since uh, the more, you know, the, you know, their, their supply is so low, but the demand is so high is one of the things they've been, these dealerships that have been doing to, you know, boost their revenue is they've been doubling 
the processing fee. Like for instance, you know how it used to be like standard, like four or $500 for, you know, right. processing. Now it's a thousand dollars. Which, which is a complete bullshit fee too. Which is, which is basically you're paying a thousand dollars to basically, cause every, when nowadays, especially when you're basically, you're doing all the signing on a tablet, you know, you're doing it all digitally right there at the desk. So you're paying it and it's being processed at the same time. Right. It's being so processed paying, by computer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're paying a thousand dollars to do something that you're, pretty much doing half the work well it's like here's a funny story hold on here's a funny story so when i worked at cal colman power sports we had this guy that would come in all the time and he always wanted to get a discount on the bikes like i said okay and he'd i mean he was harassed like to the point where he was almost harassing the business like because he would come in he wasn't rude or anything but he'd come in all the time he's taking up salesman's time saleswoman's time he's bothering he's bothering the gm it gets to be like a nuisance right so so finally our gm was he was he was fucking awesome i loved him uh shout out to brett but uh he was cool. So this guy was being annoying. And of course, if he comes to you as a salesman or a saleswoman, you know, you have to talk to him. You have to, you know, you know, do the whole back and forth and go ask for this and that. And it's part of your job. Right. And it, so it's wasting your time too. Cause you know, it's not going to end in a sale. And, and we were commission based only there. So we didn't get paid anything. If we didn't make any sales. So you, you know, I don't mind spending time with anybody, but at some point I got to go on and do someone's going to make me money. And um, so finally he had annoyed the shit out of my GM. <laughs> So my GM brought him up. He said, Hey, bring that motherfucker up here. So, so we bring him up there. He goes, Hey, what's the problem? And he, look, you, you've been here forever. You're not buying a damn bike. We, we, like we told you all the stuff we told you about the price and all this stuff. I want you to leave my store and I don't want you to come back. And he's like, what can I do to make you not come back to the store? He's like, well, sell me a bike at a discount price. Then I'll get out of here. And he goes, fine, fine. Hold on. He's like, I'm going to tell you what, you tell me the price you want to pay for this motorcycle, this R1. He goes, you tell me the price you want to pay for the R1. Uh, he goes, hold on a sec. Boop, boop, boop. Glenn, come to the front office. So our finance guy comes out, right? He goes, this is Glenn. He's in charge of finance here. He goes, Glenn, he told Glenn what was going on. He's like, all right, so you tell me what the fuck you want to pay for this bike. I'm going to have Glenn put it in the system. We're going to sell you the bike at whatever price you tell us to. And then, but the agreement is you leave the store and never come back because you're wasting all our time. And it's just, it's getting to be hazardous to our business. Okay. Agreed. And he goes, fine. He goes, how much do you want to pay for the bike, sir? He goes, I want to pay a dollar. And the bike was, let's say the bike was uh, 10, 10, 9.95, right? It was like $10,995. <laughs> he goes, so you want to pay a dollar for the bike? He goes, yes, sir. He goes, Glenn, put it down as a dollar for the bike, please. And he goes, okay. And he goes, you're really going to sell me the bike for a dollar? He said, absolutely. Like I said, I'm a man, my word. I'll sell you the bike for a dollar. He's like, now tax title and tax is $10,994. And I get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> and that's what he did. And the processing fee and all that stuff. He's like, now get the fuck out of my store. The guy's like, fuck you. And he left. But he never came back. But it was just hilarious because that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, like, you know, like, like you said, the processing, all that's, a lot of that's fluff in there. You know what I mean? And now they're just, but now when you, when you need a car, you, God forbid you get in a car and you total it and you have to work. You're like a normal person commutes to work like everybody else in the world. And, you need a car. You need to go get a car. Well, yeah, and that's what, uh, like we were talking about before, that's what my wife did with, uh, with, with her, her new Jeep Cherokees. She basically, I mean, she still used the dealership for a couple of things like, like tax and, you know, tag, um, transfer and whatnot. Sure. They can do it all but right there. But for the most part, she alleviated the middleman. She was just dealing with the manufacturer directly. And, um, I mean, yeah, it was, you're put on, it's, you're going to wait you know, six to seven to possibly eight months to get what you're ordering, but still you're going to get it. She got it not too much over cost. 
Does she go up and, to the uh, place where they, I don't know where they make Jeep Cherokees. I have no idea where they're manufacturing. No, she actually, that's basically what happened was she was looking at this particular dealership she was at and she just, and she just basically, um, it was actually, I think it was one of the sales guys. It was like, look, you know, to get what you want, this is kind of what they're doing now. So he actually kind of talked her through the process and she basically just ordered through the, the manufacturer what she wanted you know all the bells and whistles she wanted which particular model that grand cherokee yeah the color, trim letter and all the yeah. package yeah, everything yeah. and um and she basically got exactly what she wanted for cheaper than what she would have got for if she was just dealing directly with the with the dealership doing all the bullshit well that's what i'm saying because i know yeah. I, like i said i know toyota excuse me i've heard about i've heard toyota i haven't experienced this personally but i've heard toyota and ford are when you order directly from them they're not doing the markups Right, because they're they're coming from the plant, so the plant has set whatever Toyota Corporation or Ford, they've come up whatever the MSRP is. Same and that's concept, what they're charging. Yeah. yeah, they're not letting the dealers get involved with bumping it up two grand because they want to make because they're business people and they want to make money. And I understand that, but they're also getting all the kickbacks. That's why it's all bullshit. And I I can totally see Toyota wanting to do that because I mean I'm mean, you know I, I can't say and I never have been able to say anything bad about Toyota. You know, at all. I've always had nothing but good feelings and good experience with Toyota. So, I, yeah, but some I, of the dealerships, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I bought, I'm talking I about, a, I bought a Forerunner manufacturer. Here. I bought a Forerunner here like, I don't know, five years ago, four years ago, something like that. And, and it was a, a night and day between two different dealerships I went to. Exact, exact same oh, yeah. product, obviously. Um, same state, all this stuff. But, um, but it was just night and day. Now, I'm not saying one was mean or anything like that. One was like a bunch of a holes. Um, but, it was just different how they, how you were treated. And same thing when I lived in Northern Virginia, like in our County where I worked right in that area, there were two dealerships. Um, there was one in the Southern part of where I worked, which I don't want to say it was another name of another city there. Um, they were fucktards. Uh, and then there was one up on six ten that was, they were great. You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't play the dumb games that the other one did. You know what I mean? So like that kind of stuff is just, I mean, I've told you that story before where I went to the, I went to the dealership down South to buy, uh, to talk to a person at the Toyota dealership about a certain car, told him exactly what I wanted, model number, trim, all that stuff, right? Our model name, trim, all that stuff. And, and told him what I wanted. This is back when you can negotiate, of course. So I said, here's my outdoor price. I, I used to work in motorcycle dealerships. I know all the games you guys play. So I was like, here's the outdoor price. And he said, oh, you want to pay that out the door? And I said, yep, that's the nut. I'm, I'm willing to give you. I have cash. I'll give you the cash right now for it. And they didn't take it. You know, he dicked around and he brought out, he brought out his little sheets. You know, they bring out the little sheets about stuff that the dealer said, but it broke. The GM said you could do this. And they brought out stuff like, like a, like a, like a Sienna or something like a caravan like thing, you know, like Toyota's right. version. That's what, that's what he said I could get for that price. Here, here's, here's this price. Um, here, here's this price. And for the money you're offering, you can do this, this, which was way not true because I know how, how they mark their stuff up. So, and he was like, try this. I said, what? I said, I asked for this car. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And so, so we, left, we left our car in the Toyota parking lot. And right next door was a Ford dealership. Like literally right next door. Left the car in the, Ford, in the Toyota parking lot. Walked next door. And this is when the Ford Fusions were hot. When they first came out. And they were like pretty popular in America and stuff like that. Um, so I went over there and bought two Ford Fusions. Two. Incredible experience on both of them. Right, like minimal negotiation needed because they were just like all about like, yeah, dude, you're awesome, man. You bought other stuff here, yeah, no problem. You know what I mean? And then we made a great deal, got it taken care of, went back to the car, got the car out of the Toyota parking lot, and that we left it there to park, 
and then went out. And then like a week later, you know, of course the guy had my information cause we talked to Toyota and he called me and he was like, Hey, I'm just going to see you about the Toyota. I was like, no, you guys are a fucking bunch of assholes. And I was like, I came in with a fair price. That is a fair price. I know what you paid for the car. You were going to make a little money. I was going to save some money. It was the happy median, right? Which is what everybody's trying to get to. And, and you did that. So he said, so you don't want the car anymore? It's like, no, that day I left the thing in your parking lot. I went over to Ford and bought two Fusions. Same day. <laughs> same day. Within 30 minutes, I own I two Fusions. So, and, I, and I said, that's a fact. You look it up. I'll show you the VIN numbers if you want. I just bought them. And he goes, oh. And I was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Take me off your fucking list. And I, Did you and I say was it, it like that? Yeah, I was Did pissed. you say it just like that? Yeah, I said, fuck that dude. And that was it. And then, and, but then later on, later on, fast forward, you know, later on, later on, um, I met through my partner. His friend worked at the one up, up north, you know, in my county at the dealership there. And my wife ended right. up buying a car there at that one. And it was a great experience. Like they were totally cool. Not like that at all. You know what I mean? They were like totally cool. They're like, okay, that's a reasonable offer. You know, and I don't care if you, if you don't want to accept the offer, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. You know, you're a business. You got to figure out your numbers. I get all that, but don't come and don't come and tell me, tell me I'm buying like a, you know, I'm trying to buy a charger and you come back with a caravan or something from a Dodge, you know, right. like, or of course, you know, oh, you wanted the Corvette. You can't have that, but here's a, here's a, here's a Camry or, you know what I mean? Like use Camry or it's dumb. Like get out of my face, you know? Right. And so whatever. So that, that's, you know, that's how those people, some of those places are like that and they get bad reputations and then they don't get used. Um, you know, so that's how I was when I was in this area too, where I looked and I was like, ah, they weren't mean. I just got a kind of a little bit of a sleazy vibe, you know, <laughs> like, like, a, right. like a little, eh. and I went to the other one and they were like totally lax. And I said, Hey, I'm going to pay this for it. And they said, that's not a problem. That sounds like a great deal. And I said, cool. Thank you. And that was it. And we're done. You make a little money. I make save a little money. We're all happy. I understand you got to, got to feed your family and pay the bills and all that stuff. I get all that, you know, I was a salesman. I know what it's like. I know what it's like working 40 hour weeks and not getting guaranteed. You work a 40 hour week and cannot make any money. That's fucking horrible. I understand that, you know? Right. Especially in, in, uh, in that commission world like that. Yeah. Especially in, uh, today's climate. Oh yeah. That would be, I mean, it's kind of nuts. I mean, that's what made me get out of it after a while because, because it was just, it, it, it's stressful. <laughs> it's, well, like I, uh, I mean, granted, you know, gas prices have come down just a little bit, but I think we're kind of in a teaser period. That's what I was going to say. It's a teaser rate. Yeah, that's it's a teaser period. But, uh, and we can get into that at a different time, but, um, I mean, for instance, uh, my wife went and filled up at uh, at Costco the other day, and she Costco. paid she paid three seventy nine. Okay, then I went and filled up the very next day, two miles away at the Sunoco. No, excuse me, it was the same day. Um, uh, two miles away at the Sunoco, and it was four twenty nine. Yeah, Costco. That's the difference. Well, we have a Costco. I, here, I haven't seen thing. that. Usually, it's not that big of a difference between Costco and and you know the uh, regular gas station prices. But oh, here uh, it is. Here, here it's usually it's, around a quarter, sometimes more, but usually around a quarter ish. I mean, that could be worth it, depending you know what you're. And plus, a lot of people go to Costco enough anyway, where you just kind of do it when you're there. But I will say, in our area, we have a Costco here, of course, like every other city, and um and that that the the, the I don't know how many, maybe eight or ten pumps I don't, I don't know a lot of pumps i don't know it's a big big thing it's i mean packed <laughs> like there's a lot they put a lot of people through there you know so they they do a good job and that's one of the places you can go to get that cheaper glass i also rec- recommend uh to people not affiliated with them or anything but i use them um for real estate stuff like that is uh, upside the app upside if you ever use that um no yeah they'll they'll give you kickbacks like you you, you download the app and then you um 
I'm sure they're stealing your data some way or another, obviously, to do it. But but you you put in the thing, and then you you know it you want you t- turn it on, and it, it obviously you tell it to do your location when it's on. That's what I have it set at. And then when I open up the app, it tells you what gas stations are near you and what the prices are at all those gas stations. And they're affiliated with a whole bunch of gas stations, like all different brands, even Costco. Um, and then they'll tell you like what this, you know, hey, a gal, uh, regular, because I use regular in my Toyota, uses regular. So they'll be like, hey, it's three seventy nine, but it's ten cents off a gallon. So when you go there, you're gonna pay three seventy nine at the pump, but they're gonna kick you back ten cents a gallon. And then the way, and then you just put in your, you give them your card information, like part of your card information, not all of it. They keep they keep part of it, like they have the last like six digits or something like that. And then, right. and they match it with those companies. When the transaction goes through within a day or two, they'll match it with it and they'll know exactly what you paid and how many gallons you got. And then they'll, they put it in your account on your upside account. You have it. So it'll be like, boom, you just made $2 or whatever. And then when you get to like $20 or whatever, you can just have them hit a button. It'll put it in your bank account, transfer it for free to your bank account, or you can hit a button, make it an Amazon card or a Starbucks card, whatever you want. So it's kind of like a similar, not exactly, but or exact, but kind of like a similar to like say a, a gas version of a good RX app. Kinda, kinda, except except but just R- a little bit well, different concept. Yeah, good RX though, which everybody should be using that too. If you're, you know, oh, if, yeah. you or anybody in your family needs medicine, man, uh, that's a game changer. Good RX is awesome. You know, yeah, and then, but time. the difference that is, you just good RX, you go and the they're like, hey, it's you know a hundred dollars for the, your medication, whatever you know, and then you go there, like, oh, you have good RX, oh, it's two dollars. And that's it. And then, but there's no kickback part. You just save the money right there. I don't know what, I don't know how the hell that works, but that does work for sure. And it's interesting too, because you go, like, if you go on GoodRx and you type in, like, my wife will get, like, let's say she got a prescription, like, let's say she's sick and she gets antibiotic or something, which antibiotics usually aren't that expensive anyway when you have insurance and stuff. No, because there's so many of them. Yeah, but you look at, like, something like that and you'll, you'll, because you're not doing insurance. When you do GoodRx, you're not going through insurance. So the the pharmacist will say, hey, with your insurance, this is going to be 10 bucks, let's just say. Or twenty bucks or whatever. Let's, not an antibiotic wouldn't be that expensive, but let's pretend. So then you go on GoodRx and it's three dollars. Well, of course, you know, f your insurance. Just put it through without the the GoodRx becomes your insurance for that thing, and you just give them three bucks. They hand you the meds. And, and I, I can imagine, awesome. especially especially with the ridiculous, and I'm gonna I am gonna say this: the ridiculous insulin scam that goes on in this country, which just just makes my fucking skin crawl. You know, you can. You know, the difference is like insulin that you can, that costs $300 in this country, 300 bucks that someone needs to basically, you know, in a sense, they have to have it keep to thrive. Them from dying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, 300 bucks. You can go to Canada and get the exact same. Yeah. A month. You can go to Canada and get the exact same brand, $35. Yeah. My, one of my, um, what does that tell you? Well, that, that's one of the things, one of my, uh, one of my doctors that I, that I went to here, uh, they had that where they were like, I was like, Hey, um, you can get these meds like in Canada or in Mexico or whatever. And they were like, yeah, well, I'll write your prescription. You can go wherever you want. I don't care. Some doctors won't do that, but some will. They're like, as long as it's licensed, a real pharmacy there. Cause they know they, a lot of the, the cool doctors that are not like a holes or whatever, they understand that there's like that bullshit going that massive markup here in this in the United States with stuff like that. And that's, I mean, that's horrible. Can you imagine yeah, paying some of the $300? Costs, I mean, that's some like car payment. costs $5 and below to produce. Right. And it's, I mean, that's a you car know, payment just, for a lot of people or maybe not now. Now it's probably not a car payment. Now it's probably half a car payment, but, but you see what I'm saying? That's $300, $300. That's a lot of money for a lot of people and paying that on top of all your other bullshit that everybody has to pay for, you know? So that's why Mark, Mark Cuban, um, he started that thing too, where I can't remember. You, I think you told me about it. Was there, there's a, he started a little drug company thing 
uh, kind of, it's kind of like a thing where you can go and they sell cheap drugs, but, yeah. it's, but it's in the United States, all legit and all that legal stuff. But it was interesting. Well, I mean, you look at, I mean, especially because they're I mean, doing it like where they mark it up just a teeny bit in order to pay their people to work there. Like, so they can keep the lights on, so to speak, but they're not doing that. Plus, so that I can have a yacht, you know, kind of thing too. Well, if you're an, if you're a, you know, insulin dependent diabetic and say you're either in between jobs or you have shitty health insurance or you don't have any health insurance and you have to pay that kind of money for a drug that you need to stay alive basically. And yeah, not basically either. You know what I mean? Like if you don't take that, you're going to be done. No, absolutely. And and you're going to pay that amount of money for a drug. Yet you can get it somewhere else close by you know, whether it's in Canada or maybe somewhere in Europe for, you know, a fraction of what you're going to pay. I mean, that's just, that's the type of shit that just drives me crazy. Well, there's, dr- know, there's drugs here in the United States that are like prescription drugs that you can go to like Mexico and stuff, get in a vending machine. Like, like legit, like you can oh, go yeah. to like, you can go to like their version. I don't know what they call it there, but their version of like a seven 11, like a convenience store. I don't, uh, you yeah, just don't know if you're going to get the right shit. Though. Sure. That's where, that, that's where, <laughs> well, that's where I'm saying you gotta, you gotta do your homework and, you know, use like, credentialed they, they've been checked out by whatever the people that police all that stuff and make sure it's legit and you know obviously do your homework on that part of it but like like the, the my doctor was like in for the canada ones for sure she was like oh the canada ones that are blah 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 certified i don't remember what it was off the top of my head now but she's like if they're da 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 certified absolutely i'll write you a script you just fill it you just send it to them and they'll mail it to you and i was like and she goes yeah it's, it's not it's not as cheap as it would be if insurance covered you correctly right <laughs> you know like if it should like your thing should be like you said like 10 bucks but instead, it won't be 10 bucks, but it won't be 300. You know, now it'll be like, right. let's say it's 30 bucks or something. So it still sucks. Like 30 bucks would still suck to take to pay every month for whatever you need. Right. But, but that's way better than the alternative. You know what I mean? So you kind of do that thing. So yeah, I can't remember. I'll have to look up that site for the, the one. That, I think you showed me that with the Mark Cuban started a company that it was like all the like, like high blood pressure meds, cholesterol meds, heart attack stuff. Like all the real stuff, like the serious meds that people take, not the like, yeah, not you know, not the little things, but the bigger, bigger drugs that are really the, the ones that cost the drugs a lot you of can't money live without, and the ones that cost a lot because yeah. he's trying to help out. Like he's like, that's ridiculous that families in need who, like you said, don't have a job, or they have a job but they don't have insurance through the job, or they do have insurance but the insurance blows or whatever. You know what I mean? And 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 certain things, even on GoodRx, you'll find drugs. It's interesting because I, as a medic, of course, I know a lot of drugs. You know. Because I see all these patients with the stuff, so you'll just go through and look at stuff. You're like, oh, let's see what, uh, let's see what this med is, and you'll look, and you'll, and of course, it tell when you go on that app. For people who don't know, you, you know, it knows where you live because you've told it. You know, you put out that information, and it knows your location, and it'll bring up like let's say ten stores on your main screen. So it'll say like Kroger, Publix, um, whatever, you know, CVS, Walgreens, whatever. It all the different things at Costco. It'll have all that stuff in there, and it'll tell you you put in the milligrams of the med, the name meds, the milligrams, and how many you want, how many capsules or pills or whatever. And then it'll tell you every single one of the prices. And some place like like this med at Walgreens might be five forty, but at Publix it's twenty two bucks. And, you know what I mean? Like you really have to pay attention to where you're going because they're like, oh, Kroger's over here, and I could get this or whatever. Name your store, whatever you like to go for your right. You know, or CVS is this price, and you realize all of a sudden you know, like you're like, oh, so it's 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 scary, but it's it's uh yeah, it definitely lets you know that that's kind of a. I mean, kind of like I've said from the beginning, the pharmaceutical company and the oil companies are what run this world because they just astronomically basically rape you with the stuff. You know, all this funding. It's crazy, man. It is, it is. But I think it, we, it, we uh, like, 
Okay. See, it's one of those things that just gets under my skin, man. I just, and it's not just insulin. Like we said, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, drugs that people can't live without. Well, I get annoyed when anybody can't get like healthcare. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I agree with like, everybody should have free healthcare, like in the systems, like the other, like Canada does and stuff, because I know they have issues with that system as well. Not saying that people shouldn't all have healthcare. I do think everybody should get healthcare, but I don't know if that's the perfect system because I've heard that up there you have a routine, let's say a routine surgery, surgery you need. Well, you have to wait two years or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Because of how, so I don't know if that's the perfect system either, but I definitely think that people that, you know, when you have real meds that you really need, and not some like, well, this would make me feel better for a week instead of me having to suck it up, buttercup. Like, that's different. But when you have a real med, like you need diabetic meds or you need, you know, heart medication or something like that. Some things can prevent you potentially from dying. I think those should be, you know, they should come up with a different system somehow to do that. Right. I don't care what side of the political spectrum people are on. Um, it doesn't matter. I, everybody deserves to have the right to health care, you know, and uh I think just it, it, but it needs to be structured properly. That's the thing. And, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to fix that on this podcast. I can tell you that. No, <laughs> but yeah. Cause you have all that other stuff that comes with it too. Cause when you have, when you have the free stuff, then you get the abusing of like, like we've talked about that with the abusing of nine one one and stuff like that. So you, that's where that balancing act comes in where you have to kind of figure stuff yeah. out. I've Which always, I've always thought the, like, the structuring needs to be on point. Well, I've always thought that is see, this is the, it goes back to my licensing thing, right? I've always thought that paramedics should be licensed. Okay. And you know, whatever. Right. And then if I'm running a call, like I'm a paramedic, I'm deemed certified as a licensed paramedic through the state of blah, blah, blah. Right. Wherever you really, wherever you're running. And then when we run the call, okay, of course we document everything. Everybody knows that there's like seven pieces of paper we have to fill out. Seven right. we to fill out every time we do. Anytime we even get dispatched, it's like four. And then if we run a call, we'll actually do something. We have to run like seven where I lived or where I worked. So then during all that stuff, as a paramedic, a licensed person that's deemed like important, you know, just like a cop is deemed important, right, by their jurisdiction, we should be able to fill out a form. In that I don't form. know. It depends on what, what city you're in these days because, well, I mean, with all yeah. the defunding of the police bullshit going on, you never know. Well, that's true. That, that might be a little different now. But, like, we should be able to say <laughs> – we should be able to fill out a, a part of the form that says this is deemed medically necessary and for these reasons, right, and, like, you know, have some stuff set up. And then, right. and then the insurance company then has to pay it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because that would eliminate yeah. some of those freeloaders because when you, like, I, 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 the amount of dumb calls I ran in 911, uh, we could talk for like a six hour podcast about it. But like, I remember taking one for a lady that had tooth pain. Yeah. And I'm like, your, your tooth hurts? Yeah. Well, that's not an emergency. But nine one, you have to take them to the hospital if they call nine one, and and she knew the game, you know that kind of thing. And no, and you don't. It, well, we were like, so I was like, okay, we'll get in the car, then we're gonna go. And then we called the receiving facility; they knew exactly who it was based on the complaint, um, which is horrible, you know what I mean? But just taking up everybody's time, she's gonna get a massive bill, she's not gonna pay it, and just wasting it. And then, like I said, and we've talked about this in another podcast. Well, I'm running that dumb call that could have gone in like a taxi cab, or you know what I mean, or a bus or whatever. I mean, whatever you want to do to get them up there. Like it doesn't need to be wasting emergency vehicle stuff, but because of the system and how it's set up, that's why I think like that should be something where, you know, a paramedic thing goes like, yeah, does this meet medical necessity in any of these categories? And you just write no. And then, you know, or whatever. And then they send her a bill. And then if she doesn't pay it, she loses some other privilege because she's wasting everybody's time. You know, like there should be some sort of setup like that. 
I think. I don't know if that's perfect system either, but like something like that, because it's ridiculous the amount of that's what got me out of the business, honestly, was just like the dumb, the dumb, the dumb repeated stuff of just nonstop, you know. My back that's hurt. where, you know, that's my where back it's, it's all you it's all in the structuring and yeah. like you said, you know, finding that balance because if you don't, you're gonna get the buildup of people trying to manipulate the system and all the bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like we had a, we had a frequent flyer. I've told, I think we talked about this maybe earlier in a podcast, but we had a frequent flyer in our area that we ran all the time and she was an alcoholic. That was basically the thing. And so we would have to, we told our chief, eventually you run the call a few times and we let our chain of command know that, Hey, this person's abusing nine one one and you need to get, right. the chiefs need to get involved with the sheriff's office, sheriff's office, whoever they need to figure out what they're going to do with this patient because this isn't okay to keep, doing this. I mean, we, we transported three times in a day, one time in a 24 hour period, my truck. So, um, like it gets, you know, obviously that's abusive at that point. And it got so bad. And then our County came up with a policy that said, Hey, if you go to that call, go ahead and let me know. And then I'll decide if I need to go, like, this is a battalion chief person. I'll decide if I need to go. And if I want the sheriff's office to go. Right. And you know, me, you've, you've known me for a long time. So of course, every time we got dispatched, I just told dispatch, go ahead. And, as soon as we were dispatched, go ahead and start the battalion chief and go ahead and start the sheriff's office, please. And they would tone them out. And then now they have to respond. Right. And the reason I did that was because I'm not playing that little, you know, mother may I bullshit game. I'm going to make you get up every time we get the call. Battalion chief fucked hard. You know, they can't spell ALS. I'm getting you. To, I'm making you get up every call. So you understand what's going on. And then I'm going to have this county sheriff's office who also is busy running sheriff's office calls have to send their officer out or their deputy out in the sense to, to deal with this dumb shit. You know what I mean? And eventually right. it got taken care of. Like it took a little while, but eventually got taken care of. Cause like the cops would be there. Like, do you want to go to the hospital? And they're like, no. She's like, I'm not going to the hospital. And he's like, well, why'd you call nine one? And then we went through that for a while and they'd be like, okay, turn around, click, click, matching bracelets out of the house. And they'd arrest her. And that, and this happened all the time. Now, did, did she get, did, you know, did she stay in jail long? Probably not. She, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying like, eventually over time, it became a documented problem and they got the situation taken care of. Right. You know, cause we even told like, she, we knew her family, her family lived in Virginia beach area and he was sort of aware of the problem, but they couldn't, because of his work, he couldn't come up that often. He came up like once a week to check on her and we told him what was going on. We're like, dude, this isn't working out, man. You know, respectfully, you've got to figure out something else for her because this isn't it. You know, she's going to end up losing stuff soon, like potentially, you know, things because it, this isn't how you, you can't just dump someone somewhere and leave them. Not that he was necessarily doing that, but, you know, maybe she needs to come live with you or like you got to figure something out or put her in a home or whatever. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, she was an older lady. So, so at some point you got to figure it out. And then I don't I mean, we were never mean to her or anything. You know, it was just like and we told her multiple times, like, yeah, this is I get it. But you're you're just drunk. So. I mean, we can take you to the hospital, but they're not going to do anything, you know? And sometimes well, we, sometimes we would take her to the hospital, you know what I mean? Sometimes we would. Yeah. And do that stuff, but, it, you know? So, I don't know. But it's, it's one of those ongoing problems, and I'm sure since I've been out of the business for a while, I'm sure it's gotten worse, and you could probably attest to that. You know? Yeah. More, like more you said, that, we could go on all day about that, but on that note, let's, yeah, let's, let's wrap, wrap this let's up. Let's wrap this thing up. All right, man. So, uh, nothing else from Bobby here. So, this has been Season 2, Episode 13, The Baker's Dozen. Here at Paramedics Unscripted, and we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted.